The world has gone virtual. How about sales reps? What worked in person is not what will work best virtually. So what does? I'm Jeff Stewart from Cineos Health Consulting. I'm joined today by Mike Minswanner, Senior Director, and Amy Jamison, Senior Vice President of the Cineos Health Engagement Center. Mike and Amy run some of the largest virtual sales forces in the world. Virtual sales next on the Cineos Health Podcast. Mike Minchwaner, Amy Jamison, thanks for joining us on the Cineos Health Podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. All right. Both of you work in the engagement center here at Cineos Health. You run that part of the business. Tell us what the engagement center does and what the heck virtual sales organizations are. Wow, that's a lot to get out in one thing. A virtual sales organization in this setting is inside sales reps that are acting like field sales representatives, but are engaging 100% virtually through lots of different types of technology and channels. So during COVID, that changed everything for virtual sales reps. That's my understanding is that we had some clients that were launching essentially right as COVID hit and everything had to go virtual, or at least most of it. Is that what has brought you to do a podcast and to talk about your white paper? Is it because virtual sales reps changed during COVID? The COVID-19 pandemic accelerated a lot of the work that we had already put in place when it comes to virtual sales or remote sales or inside sales, whatever terminology we're comfortable using. My feeling is that as a result of the pandemic, every pharmaceutical organization in the world was thrust into a situation where they required experience or had a new appreciation for what it took in order to be successful virtually. And what I've noticed here now has been nearly 18 months post-pandemic, although I think we may still be in the throes of it in some areas, it's that we've evolved and learned about some of the differences in which we engage customers. As someone who was a field representative coming with years of field sales experience in pharma, who had to transition from field to virtual, they engage with customers in a certain way. And we've learned how to improve upon that by marrying together the experience that we had pre-pandemic with some of the real therapeutic area expertise that field sales brings to the table during the pandemic. And that's sort of the basis for the, the virtual sales organization, the conversation that we've had recently. Do you find that the sales reps that are good virtually are the same sales reps that were good in person, or is it a different skill set? We've learned a lot of things over the last 18 months, and that's one of them that we've talked a lot about talent and the right behaviors and motivational fit to engage virtually. And it isn't always, in our experience, that you can really take a field sales professional who's been working face-to-face with customers and transform them into a virtual Typically, it goes the other way where you can take a virtual inside sales rep and turn them into a field sales rep more so. And the reason for that is it's something of a grounded position, right? You're working and engaging. It's a different way of getting through a gatekeeper or organizing your calls through an office, through technology versus being able to have that face to the name to in that interaction. It's typically not seen as often taking of someone who's been in the field, especially someone who's been in the field for multiple years and putting them inside. Preferably, they're liking to be out in front of the customer. And we're seeing that now as our field force is back in front of customers that they're not using as much technology anymore. 
Mm-hmm. You need to find an individual who has the desire, whether personally for any reason or professionally for any reason, to work in a remote way, to be committed to engaging customers through virtual channels like the telephone, through email, through Microsoft Teams, Zoom, WebEx, right? All of those different platforms we're now so familiar with. There has to be some motivating desire to have that individual working full-time remotely because it is a transition, certainly from being out in the field five days a week. Do you see like a mixed rep population where one person does both things or is it two different groups of people? There's one who will be virtual and there's another rep who will be in the field and never the twain shall meet absent another pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even pre-pandemic, we spent a good deal of time experimenting with different programs that were engaging customers in that hybrid fashion. It still takes that unique person to want to engage customers remotely. That hybrid individual may engage customers face-to-face once or twice a week. You still need to have that motivation to, again, engage customers remotely. It works really well in certain geographies. It's something we've learned and in other areas, not quite as well. Which geographies does it work well? We see it work well in areas where there's still a need to engage customers face-to-face. If you think about typical pharma footprints, you're going to have pretty solid face-to-face representation in the large cities. But if you're going to be targeting some of these larger white space areas or maybe the Pacific Northwest where you have a high condensed area with a lot of integrated delivery networks where access is more limited, it might make more sense to deploy a virtual rep to engage those customers and try to gain access virtually. And when they break through, either through building of relationships or communication of key and information, they have an opportunity to, again, have a lunch or an in-service in person. Typically, when a virtual sales rep is going to that hybrid deployment, some face-to-face and some inside sales, virtual sales work, it's from the priority of the target or to Mike's point to the access, which is driving it. And so it's the demand of the office or the preference of the office of the targeted HDP is which driving that deployment to the field. And has it changed the value of white space? We talk about, and I come from a rural area, so I appreciate that this sounds pretty dismissive. Calling a place white space feels bad. Calling it a flyover area feels bad. But sales reps, there's just not a lot of sales to be had if you're driving an hour and a half between hospitals or doctors. It's just not worth the windshield time. But with virtual, the cost of reaching out is now much lower. I'm not sure that these are doctors that have engaged much with sales reps for the reasons we just stated. Has white space become more valuable? Is it the new land grab or is it still an area that is white space? Typically, if we go back and I've been in this virtual sales inside sales deployment model for the last 15 years and seeing the evolution, oftentimes it's thought of, oh, we have this area is not called on in the field footprint and calling that loosely white space. Oh, let's add a few inside sales reps to make some phone calls out to those targeted HDPs. As we've come through and transitioned in periods of time and really looking holistically across at a deployment strategy where you probably now in today's world need field sales and some virtual sales to getting to that reach is where you're going and the frequency and there's value in those targets. There's a cost efficiency play oftentimes for putting in a virtual sales rep, a lot more calls, a lot less windshield time, and a lot more time spent with customers. And one area, and there's many therapeutic areas, I mean, we could go across all, we have done a one we haven't touched, but really a big uptake has been in oncology and rare disease. And when you think of an oncology field force, it's usually pretty small. 
you're targeting only large networks or concentrated areas. Inside sales comes into play there in a collaborative effort with the field or another type of efficiency play where they're calling out and there's so many key targets with an oncology office that the inside sales rep is typically working with a field oncology specialist to try to cut down on their time or to identify patients or to identify if they treat this patient type. So there's a strategy to that. So it's not necessarily white space, it's expanding outside and evolving over time because in those deployments, there is naturally just by the size of the deployment model in the field, a small footprint. So there's a ton of white space, but relevant and invaluable white space to finding the treaters and the patients. The two of you wrote a paper, a white paper. What's a white paper about? The white paper is really centered on the evolution of virtual sales. I believe inside sales has been a tactic that a lot of pharmaceutical organizations are familiar with. It's a tactic that many have deployed and they've used it in very specific ways, like supplementing field sales, like engaging white space. Again, I'll use that term once more, or using it more as a transactional customer support model through which you can just increase share of voice through delivering approved marketing materials, key messages, but not really moving the needle in terms of real true sales, clinical discussions, things of that nature. And where we see this moving is the evolution I had mentioned earlier, and this is where the white paper really focuses on is where that's evolving to today because of dynamics that place in the market and the way that pharma needs to evolve to engage customers in a meaningful way, particularly in those areas that Amy mentioned earlier, like orphan drug, rare disease, oncology, with experienced representatives to provide real messaging and clinical conversations to targets all across the country and not necessarily pigeonholed in just a few key geographies, but really engaging in a more meaningful, intentional way with customers in collaboration with other stakeholders like your medical representatives, like your field sales representatives. And that's really where the paper is centered on in some of our experience today. And then take it one step further, and this is the ambition of Cineos Health, is to marry together that virtual sales element with real digital marketing techniques and create a dynamic that allows us to engage customers at the right time, the right messaging, taking into consideration true digital marketing techniques, and coupling that with really targeted messaging to customers that drives a much more meaningful, impactful conversation. You know what it reminds me of, Amy and Michael, is that if you've seen some of the classes that some people have done for our kids over COVID, they're sometimes not very good. That's what perhaps virtual or inside sales was 10 years ago when it was starting out not very good. But if you look at something that's more like Khan Academy or one of these science teachers that teaches, and it's amazing, the amount of learning that you can get in that medium is very different, but it requires some changes. That's where we at least are on the cusp of being for virtual sales. Are you seeing something like that where virtual sales just is a different animal and there are techniques that we can do in virtual sales that we never could do in live sales? I love that analogy, and I'll pick up on that. So I think yes is the answer to that question. And I see that in a way that 10, 12 years ago, we were not really looking at much data. There wasn't much analytics. This was really pretty much the tactic was, oh, we have a managed care message. We need to get that message out, or we have some samples we need to get out. Oh, we'll put a team of inside sales reps, and they'll make these very simple calls out and deliver this very simple message and samples. 
there was no measurement really. No one was really looking at what was it showing, what were we doing to optimize performance. And now transforming over to we're hyper-focused on the targeting, the analytics to optimizing the performance, and we're using and getting so smart that we have now segmented messaging. We didn't have segmented messaging before. It was pretty much a blanket message. Now there's this segmented messaging because where Michael was going is you have to that right message, right channel, right time is to the behavior. We're getting smarter and smarter to the behavior and the preference, the behavioral preference of the prescriber or the treatment team that we're calling on. And COVID actually, that's one area COVID-19 has accelerated on. We're smarter now. There's been a lot of surveys done to saying that prior to the pandemic, there were a lot less prescribers, healthcare professionals who were open to engaging virtually, even through these Zoom and WebEx and all of these other platforms. Now what you're looking at is, hey, they kind of liked it. They say, hey, we'd love that to stick around, but we need the field. This is where we get into now getting smarter and looking at, hey, some physicians today and those coming out of school, they're pretty tech savvy. They're working off of a smartphone. We need to be able to be agile enough, flexible enough to know that that might be their way of engaging. So that's where we're really transforming to. And that's what's the cool part about it to me, that it's not just making calls to make calls. We talk about you need activity, but you need activity, but you need to drive. We need to have some type of result. And we're really looking deep into not only the activity, but looking at the sales performance on the back end, the qualitative measures as well. What is that level of engagement? What are the targeted customers we're calling on? What are they saying? And then ultimately, what is the impact to the patient? Everything goes to the patient. That's what's really been, to me, the transformation. Yeah. And not to forget, though, also, Amy, because you're right, obviously, every healthcare provider in the world now has a greater level of familiarity with these types of tools. We talk about Zoom and you're talking about children in classrooms now engaging their teachers virtually, right? There's a greater sense of appreciation and understanding of what that looks like across the world. But even pre-pandemic, there was already a little bit of a shift in terms of HCP control. It feels like more control is leaving the prescribers and going to these larger integrated delivery networks, these large hospital systems. And there obviously is access restrictions in a lot of those areas. And that doesn't necessarily mean that some of those prescribers don't still want the support and the messaging from their pharmaceutical partners to gain the necessary information to help treat patients. So I think there's also this element of on our customer side, knowing that some of these healthcare providers still want that information and are still looking for it through virtual channels. It's not a replacement of uh, traditional field sales or anything of that nature, but it's about engaging customers in a smarter way and more holistic way through the channels that they want to be met. So virtual sales, I think that traditionally we would think of virtual sales as being an adjunct to very large primary care sales forces where we're trying to get to those white space areas. Is that true today or is it more of a specialty play? I think we're still in calling and still have lots of different needs out there for the respiratory space, the diabetes space in primary care, but seeing more and more need to engaging and putting these channels together, these virtual sales teams together for rare orphan oncology specialty products. And some of that is what we've been talking about today is access, that reach play, that messaging play, and taking more than one call and the field size being small. So there is definitely an increase in that area, and we're seeing some great success 
in delivering across those specialty areas. I have one more question. I've noticed this with our clinical teams, certainly with our consulting teams and our field deployment teams, that there is almost always something that we know that we could do that is next level, a little different, smarter than other things we do or other things that are done normally in the field, but that clients are unsure about. It's just not normally done. If you were in football, it would be never punting, always going for it, no matter how far we are for fourth down and the math says to do that. Are there some of those things where we want to do them? We know that they would be helpful. They would increase ROI. They would be smart, but they're just so new that they're hard to get anybody to buy. There's so many places to go with this one. (laughs) I think the first place my mind went is what this white paper addresses directly and where we're starting to get a little bit more experience. And that is truly marrying together a digital marketing tactic like Digital Amplifier and linking that to a virtual sales force to make sure when an HCP gets a banner ad on Monday and then an email on Tuesday and a targeted, very specific phone call from a virtual sales rep the following Wednesday, to see that in a perfect orchestration, I think requires a little bit of risk taking and a little bit of braveness (laughs) on behalf of our clients. And I know that we're starting to get some traction there. Another area where, and again, this may be a little bit of a surprise because some of our clients are doing this and others are not, but we also believe pretty firmly that in order to really maximize impact and drive the most optimal performance for each of our pharma climate brands. And again, it's not always an apples to apples comparison. I get that. But the data shows that when you take this virtual sales strategy, this virtual sales capability, and you also overlay it with field sales and other efforts, as opposed to keeping it siloed off to the side or something like that, again, you can put together a couple of different techniques, you do come to the realization that you gain just that much better ROI. A lot of people have heard me say this one plus one equals three in that instance. And I do firmly believe that that is something where we've got some buy-in from certain customers who have seen that work well, but there's still, I think, a nervousness within some of our client stakeholders about putting those two things together to really realize the greatest overall impact. Amy and Michael's paper is called A New Commercialization Paradigm for Engaging Today's HCPs and Improving Business Outcomes. We'll put a link to that paper in the show notes. Mike Minswaner and Amy Jamison, thanks so much for joining us on the Cineos Health Podcast. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. This was fun. That's all for today's episode of the Cineos Health Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stewart from Cineos Health Consulting. If you want to talk through a hard decision you're making at your life sciences company, you may email me at podcast at For access to more future-focused, actionable life sciences insights, visit the Cineos Health Insights Hub at insightshub.health. Cineos Health, shortening the distance from lab to life. Music